0: Hello and welcome to the Leader Lounge community, where great leaders bridge the gap between people and performance. I'm your host, April Qureshi. On today's episode of the Leader Lounge, I'm speaking with Olivia McIver, co-founder of Kindness Speaks and author of the book, The Business of Kindness. Welcome, Olivia. Welcome back. So happy to be here with you today. Yeah, great. So today we're talking about how business leaders can enrich their culture with kindness and compassion. And so, Olivia, what can you tell us about um, using kindness as a resilience tool in organizations?
1: Mm, good question. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. There's a there's an old quote that probably everybody has heard that when a mind is stretched to a new dimension, it can never return to its original shape. And I think that that is kind of where we're at right now uh, in this world of COVID-19, that we can't return to that original, whatever our original normal was. And so I think of uh, kindness as a resilient tool that allows us to, uh, because of the, the benefits that come from uh, kinder workplaces. It gives us a resilient tool to be able to step forward into this new, uh, to this new, whatever this new will be for us. Uh, it gives us a tool that allows us to uh, see each other through a different lens and different eyes, which is really imperative right now. And the, the benefits are just, they're so widespread. The research is so great on, on kindness and compassion that it really for me there is no argument as to as it as a resilient tool
0: and then you mentioned seeing each other through a different lens and so can you give us an example of that how that might play out in in an organization Mm.
1: well i think that we've become very superficial in organizations. Uh, I've been an advocate for I would say the entire 32 years of my HR career uh, an advocate of how do we put the human back into human resources how do we that it's okay Mm. to wear our heart on our sleeves that it's okay to be authentic when we go to work and show up Uh, you know it's it's I think it's exhausting when people park part of who they are in the parking lot and only bring part of themselves to work and so as an advocate of this authenticity of that i think is where how we see each other through a different lens because when you can humanize me when you see me and i see you then we start to have a different uh, way in how we work together but this superficial how are you how are you doing Stuff that we play at work, where we draw this line in the sand that I can't bring my personal self to the workplace, has really, I think, uh, done a huge dis- disfavor to uh, to the workplace and to ourselves and to our colleagues.
0: Yeah, and that's interesting. So, you know, to connect, um, you know, one on one as a human, you know, in in the workplace, um, you know, to be able to do that and still get our work done. Um, so, how do we? How do we? merge that together how do we bring that kindness in that that humanity that authenticity and um and still get our work done you know like still meet the goals and 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 uh, do the things we need to do
1: well i think we actually get our work done better when we allow that to happen because if you you know you can look at the research around optimistic teams you can look at the um, you know if you look at i mean i'm a social researcher so i take huge amounts of data And I bring that down to, well, what does that mean at the end of the day for people? Mm -hmm. And and for me, if you look at kindness, there's actually three core things that come out of kinder workplaces. One, it builds individual and group resilience, which resilience really at the end of the day is our ability to bounce back from setbacks and disappointments quickly and be able to get back to work. So imagine you're working with a group of people who are, uh, you know, that kindness is embedded into how they work together when one person's having a bad day, the other person can lift the other person up. So there's, mm-hmm. this, there's this give and take of how we take care of each other, how, we, uh, how we're careful with our feelings with each other. Or we're empathetic. Uh, we extend compassion. The second piece is, is that teams are more optimistic that are in kinder environments. And uh, optimism, uh, you know, if you look at optimism, when you go at a problem from an optimistic perspective, as an example, So the team has this problem and they're they're working towards whatever the solution might be. The the brain engages very differently when it comes from an optimistic approach and optimism optimism is embedded into uh, kind behaviors. Mm -hmm. So when you go at something optimistically, your brain automatically releases the positive hormone dopamine and dopamine allows the prefrontal cortex part of your brain to uh, trust more, to be more collaborative, to be able to be more decisive and to be able to think clearly. So creating that environment, again, around optimism is a really crucial part of us. So that's really the third one, and the, or, uh, the second. And the third one is it creates a deeper sense of belonging. So it creates mm-hmm. a sense of community with each other where we look out for each other, that we, we grow as a community together. And I, I think that we're seeing this so wonderfully done right now uh in in the midst of what we're all in the midst of that we're creating community that we're we're looking beyond ourselves to others and and looking out for others it's not just all about me it's about us in that
0: yeah and this global pandemic has really uh brought to mind how connected we are as as a global community and so when you speak of community um You know it's easy to come into community when we're in an office building or we're in a a meeting space and you know we're physically together but now since this Mm. this whole thing has happened we're we're physically distanced and so how how can we how can we create community um over over something like this you know right now we're using zoom for example so how do we create community uh whether it's one-on-one or in small teams or, or or groups um, during this time when we're, we're away from each other physically?
1: Well, you know, I really believe that this has been a real gift to us. Mm. Uh, I know in many ways it doesn't feel like it is uh, because there is this uh, self isolation that we have from each other and people are working in the midst of chaos in their homes and trying to homeschool and, and, uh, and at the same time, you know, get on a you know, Monday morning meeting at nine o'clock. And so there's, there's something kind of magical that's happening around that, around this sense of community. And I do not, excuse me, I don't believe for a second, we're going to go back to whatever normal was, which I don't think was normal. I mean, we really have to even ask ourselves, do we even want to go back to that? Do we want to go back to a world of incivility and discrimination and uh, a lack of life work balance and stress? We, you know, we need to rethink as we step into this and this sense of community is going to be so much more profound because we have stepped into each other's homes in a way that we have never done that. How many people have ever seen your, you know, the person you report to's home? How many people have ever seen the CEO's home? You know, people have, people have dishes on the sink. People are, are using their kitchen tables as their offices or, or sneaking away into the, you know, a corner in the bedroom because it's quiet. And we're seeing places and homes from a very different perspective. And when you get invited into that, that authenticity with people, something happens. And you can never take those pictures away uh, from us. And, and that's where I think we are gonna move past this, hi, how are you, to are you okay? Tell me how your day's actually going. Uh, You know, what's outside your window? What are you seeing right now uh, on your street? Uh, What does that look like for you? What can I do to help you to to move through this as gracefully as possible? This is the first time in history, in our history, there certainly have been, you know, many world wars where people have been brought together with a sense of community. But I think for the first time in a lot of generations, uh, this is a time where we all have one common bond and that common bond creates a level playing field for all of us because it doesn't matter how much money you earn. It doesn't matter what position you're in in a company. And so that common bond is going to drop away a lot of these hierarchies that we have it's going to let us see human to human because even if you don't have children, you're going to start to understand what it's like for, for working parents and the pressures that they are under. Uh, I think that we're just going to, to have a whole level of empathy that was never we were never exposed to before and we never allowed ourselves to be exposed to it. That's a gift, that's an absolute gift. And I, I don't think we can go back to unlearn that, thank goodness.
0: Yeah. And I've been thinking about that myself. I'm thinking, okay, what's going to, what habits that have changed are we going to stick with and what are we going to let fall away? And um, Mm. so the question, you know, that keeps coming up for me is like, what's, what's going to stay the same and what's going to change. And so I think, you know, for myself and the work that I do um, with my clients is that there's always this thread. um, We draw on this thread that connects that connects, you know, the person, the organization, whatever work they're doing. And so what do you think that um, connection is um, that's going to maybe help us, help us stay connected, like you said, to community and to the, to the human side of things. So what's that thread that's going to draw us through into that? Mm.
1: Well, I guess I'm going to go back to that word empathy Mm. because we, uh, we have got a, we've got a common thread that we've really hidden from each other for many, many years in organizations. And that, that common thread, I'm hoping, is going to, to stay. Because once you've experienced empathy, uh, when I've walked in your shoes, I can't unwalk that. And so that common thread is going to allow us to actually experience emotions with each other and feelings. And goodness knows, we don't like to talk about that stuff in organizations because people believe it doesn't have any impact on the return on investment if I go there. Mm -hmm. And yet all of my research and certainly all of my work in human resources has told me the complete opposite of that, that we are, that it is this, when we you know, we're really good at looking at the organization as a, you know, if you look at it as an entity, we're very good at looking at it physically, you know, or, you know, are the chairs in the right place and the windows, you know, and all of those things we're very good at looking at it fiscally, you know, the bottom line. And, uh, and so we're, but we're not good at looking at the emotional part of that, the feelings. And if you look at what engages people, if you look at what, and we use that word a lot in organizations, you know, let's create an engaged workforce. But I don't think a lot of people really get what that actually means. Engagement actually, to create an engaged workforce where people do what they love and love what they do and they show up at 100%, you, people need to have two things. They need to understand intellectually what the goals and the roles and the strategies are of the organization. Well, we're pretty good at that. And then we say, okay, now we want you to go out and act with discretionary service and give a hundred percent. And we wonder why people don't do it. Well, we wonder why the research is showing that only one out of seven people globally is actually engaged in the work that they do. Hmm. Well, it's because there's another component that's missing, and that is the feeling part of that, the emotions. I can intellectualize the goals and the roles and the strategies, but how do I get people to fill those goals and roles and strategies at an emotional level? When you connect how I think to how I feel, then I'm going to act with discretionary service. And we in organizations don't like to talk about, again, those feelings and emotional pieces. Well, we've broken through that barrier with this because people have, have gone into, uh, I mean, if you look at the, the work of world health organization for years has said that by the year 2020, Malignant, malignant sadness or depression would be the second most debilitating disease in the world and that came to fact in 2020. That was before COVID-19. Now what we're seeing is this huge increase in, um, in apathy, in depression, in, in, uh, in sadness based on the fact of self-isolation and loneliness. That people are experiencing, the uncertainty that people are experiencing. And so th- we're deep in our emotions right now. And leaders would be very, it would, it, would, it would make sense for them right now to tap into those emotions with people, to, to, uh, to be with them in that emotional place, because that's going to then create a level of engagement, a thread to your words that, that um, will, will be consistent. This has given us a, a chance to break open something that we've had, we've held hidden for some reason in organizations, that emotional component.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, that emotional component, because as soon as you create community, you're connecting with emotions, right? And so, um, so if an organization or a leader has never engaged with their, with their people in this way, so as part of the work that you do, Mm -hmm. what would be like one of the, one of the things, the first things that you would, um, work on uh, with, a, with a leader or, or an organization?
1: Mm, great question. Well, I think uh, first uh, you have to get out of your office and you have to go where the rubber hits the road and you need to, your day should never begin by just going into your office and walking by people. Uh, a good leader needs to know what goes on at the back of the house. So there's the front of the house, which is all the tasks and all the things that have to be completed by people. But then there's the back of the house around what are the stories that people are holding? What are they, everybody's a book in their own right. Uh, Everybody is, is authoring their own lives right now. Do you know what, what their stories are? Do you know what's going on with their families and, and their children? And, and, uh, you know, if somebody has been ill or somebody's, you know, had a wedding in their family, do you know all those stories? So the first place is don't walk by people ever, uh, without, without leaving it a little better in that, in a conversation with them than you, than you left before. I always, um, you know, if, if you have an opportunity to just hold conversations, small snippets of conversations and get to know people really well, I think that's a, an amazing place to start. Uh, you know, there's a, a quote I use all the time in my work and it's, before you speak or take any action, ask yourself three questions. Is it truthful what I'm about to say? Is it necessary that I say it at all? And above all else, can I say it with kindness? And so having just some simple tools that you can go out to change the dialogue, to hold positive conversations, uh, optimistic conversations with people, I think that's the the first place that we we begin. People versus tasks. Uh, How important is the task? How important is the person? Well, I'm going to say that the person always outweighs the task, because if you look after the person, they'll look after the task. So people first.
0: Yeah. And you talked about um, writing your own story. And so we know that organizations um, are themselves uh, uh, an entity. And so, you know, a leader has an opportunity to write the story of how mm. they want their culture to be. Um, and so you experienced, um, you, you have a personal story to share about resilience and, uh, and bouncing back. I'm wondering if you'd like to share that with us, Olivia. Oh, which which story is
1: that one? How about
0: the parachute? Oh my goodness! Wow.
1: That's, That's resilience. Wow. Uh, well, okay. I, I you know I never would have thought you'd have asked me that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a uh, this had happened many many years ago, and I was I was in a place of transition and change, and so I decided that going skydiving. I had this I had this bucket list, and it was a list of ten things on there. One of them was to get my ears pierced twice. I mean, you, you know, weird things you put on your your bucket list. So one of them was skydiving. So off I go and I do the lessons. And this was in the days when you didn't do tandem jumps.
0: Ah.
1: Uh, so you 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 jumped by yourself. And we were using old World War II round uh, the old round chutes. Uh, Wow, and uh, so you know, I go through all the lessons. I get up there, and there's seven people in the plane, and I'm asked to jump out first. And uh, and there's there's uh, no no line. There's you've got to do it on your own. So you literally step out onto this little Cessna plane. You keep one hand in the the the, um, the door of the plane, one foot in the plane, and then you step eighty percent of your body out onto the outside of the plane, onto the other wheel, and you grab. Onto the, you grab onto the wing and there's 80 mile an hour winds coming at you. You're 3,000 feet in the air and the jump master says, jump. And I froze and I couldn't jump. I'm like, I'm not jumping. And he says, you have to jump uh, because uh, you're, you're tipping the plane. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not jumping. And he says to me, this profound thing he says to me, he says, you can't go back. You can't come back in. Because there was no way to get me back in the plane, and it became this metaphor for my life because I was in change and transition. That's why I decided to do something wild and crazy. And he was right; I couldn't. So I let go, and I did a you know perfect spread eagle in the air, three thousand feet. You're dropping at a thousand feet a minute. It only takes three minutes to get to the bottom, and uh, and the shoot, and you start counting one 1,000, three, 1, three one thousand. And the chute, I get to ten, and it's supposed to have opened. I'm thinking, well, did I count too fast? Or you know, so I start counting again: one, two, two, one thousand. I get to twenty-five thousand, and you're dropping fast, and the chute still hadn't opened. And so I, I grabbed onto the uh, um, the um, the emergency little chute to pull it, and because and I remembered the jump master saying. Don't panic and pull that chute too fast because if it goes and the other, and he said, we haven't had an accident in 25 years. So I, but this is just standard procedure. I need to tell you this. Thank goodness I heard it. And, and I asked myself, should I pull this? Should I pull the ripcord? And, and something inside of me said, don't pull it. So I didn't. And I kept dropping. And then the next thing I know I could hear the big chute deploying and because I had picked up so much speed uh, going down, I mean, I I got it, you know, it toggled my way down. I was the closest to the drop site of any of the other seven people. But I would picked up so much speed going down, that when I hit the ground, and I didn't even know this, I fractured my pelvis and a whole bunch of other parts of my body. And, uh, and so I, but, you know, adrenaline's a beautiful thing because you don't feel anything. <laughs> I, I didn't even know. I, I didn't know I'd hurt myself. All I knew was I couldn't get up because I had, my pelvis was fractured, so it couldn't lift me up. Uh And so a month in the hospital and, you oh. know, trying to walk again and all of those factors. If somebody had ever said to me, well, you, would you ever do this again? I'd I would, without question, say yes. Because I think... It's about moving through fear. It's about having the courage to say yes to things, uh, even in the midst of that fear, and to stay calm in the midst of of that fear. uh, You have to keep moving forward, uh, and especially in leadership. Wow. Thank you for asking me about that story.
0: (laughs) What an amazing story. Like, my hands are sweating right now. I felt like (laughs) when you said you're gripping and gripping, and he said, you can't go back. I'm just like it's so true, right? Like, yeah. So that, and we can't go back right now as an organization or as a leader. Yeah. You said that in the beginning, right? So it's a perfect circle um, Mm. for a conversation. If there's one thing that you want um, people to walk away with, what what would that be? I mean, we've talked about a lot already. Is there anything else that you want to add?
1: Well, I think I would want to add that people have, People have three basic needs. And, and as, a, as a kind human being, as, as a society that needs to find our way back to our empathetic self, if we can keep in mind those three needs that all of our, that we have, that our colleagues have, and that is that everybody needs to know that what they do and who they are matters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They need to know that they are safe psychologically and physically and they need to know that they belong they belong to a community and if we can move through that as we go back to whatever our workplaces are whatever our lives are that that we remember that um, people need to feel safe that they matter that they belong that that we all want to feel valued respected and heard and we can deliver that we we will be so much we'll be so much uh, better off and we will be we will be able to demonstrate that kindness that's innate within us because we are innately kind and compassionate we just need to remember that in the moments that's that are difficult
0: wonderful thank you so much for being on the show today and for sharing your insights on how business leaders can enrich their culture with kindness and compassion thank you thank you thank you welcome be well thank you for tuning in to the leader lounge community podcast if you enjoyed this episode today be sure to hit follow and share with your friends and community until next time i'm april Kureshi. bye for now